coming up in this episode of the billionaire's journey there was panic so there was a bank run this is why mm-hmm. things collapsed so fast mm-hmm. i even think that the whole credit source thing mm-hmm. was credit i'd say yeah our credit suisse i think that was a pitfall for svb and mm-hmm. based on what i have here the problem with svb was lack of diversification what's interesting though is um the lack of diversity like you said so here's the thing they said that most of the investors that use um svb silicon valley bank what is silicon valley known for tech right yeah, most of the investors that would have or most of the clients that would have used that bank would have been tech um entrepreneurs and businesses and i think that's where the double-edged sword when the federal reserve hiked interest rates in 2022 to combat inflation svb's mm-hmm. bond portfolio started to drop mm-hmm. SB, svb would have recovered its capital if they held those bonds until their maturity date so you hit the nail on the head mm-hmm. actually even before mm-hmm. so silicon bank used to lend out money in short durations however in 2021 they shifted to long-term securities such as treasuries for more yield and they did not protect their liabilities with short-term investments for quick liquidations. They were mm-hmm. insolvent for months because they could not liquidate their assets without a large loss. Signature Bank, a New York financial institution with big real estate lending business that had recently made a play to win cryptocurrency deposits, closed its door abruptly on Sunday after regulators said that keeping a bank open could threaten the stability of the entire financial system. So I was there. I even had a friend who had some money in the bank and they took like half a million dollars of his money. What? And when he went to the bank, yes. And when he went to the bank, he was like, yo, what's up? They said, oh, <laughs> but you withdrew it. He was withdrawn with a card. I was like, I don't have a card for this account. Mm. And for like nine months, he was up and down with them trying to figure out what happened to his money. Welcome to Zellhan's podcast, where we believe in the power of using the internet, software, and technology to achieve online business success. Go to zellhan.com and set up a consultation with our team. Tell us the problems holding your business back from being successful. Tell us your problems, and we'll take care of everything else for you. Go to zellhan.com to set up your consultation with our team. Today, you are listening to episode three of The Billionaire's Journey. We will be looking at the topic, Understanding the SVB Bank Scare in America. Very quickly, before we get started, I'd like to introduce myself. My name is Jabez Roberts, and I am the CEO and founder of Zellhan. With me today is Daniel Simmons. Greetings, everyone. I am Daniel, as was mentioned earlier. I am the co-host, COO, and co-founder of Things and Dance. Awesome. How are you feeling today, Daniel? I feel it will be a good episode as usual. Let's get cracking. <laughs> awesome. Let's dive right in. So I have an article prepared. And basically what this article does, it just gives us a basic overview 
of what's happened in terms of the banking scare and how it got here. I want to read that article. What I'm going to do is I'm going to share my screen and allow the viewers and the, well, the viewers, the listeners won't be able to see it, but the viewers will be able to see it. I'll link the article in the description and in the show notes. That way the person who wrote the article can get full credit for their work. How does that sound? Sounds good. All right, so let's present. So this is an article from Marketplace. And the article says how Silicon Valley Bank failed. And they actually have a podcast as well. So that's something very interesting to look into. It says here that Silicon Valley Bank is no more. It's the first bank backed by the Federal Deposit Insurance Corp, that's the FDIC, to fail since 2020. And it's the FDIC has taken it over and is sorting through the mess. And quite a mess it is, actually. It says the the swift collapse of the Santa Clara, California-based lender has some investors around the world scared into thinking that other banks may be heading towards similar disasters. For now, that seems unlikely, considering that SVB is not a typical bank because a lot of its depositors are startups and tech investors. So I think that's the first point to note. The customers who normally use SVB is not very wide and varied, but we're going to get into that in the future. It's just where all our money sits. Revenues, investment, how I pay all the employees, said Nadine El-Ashkar, CEO of Lilo. We're a marketplace for hotels to do all their procurement in one place. And that's the type of business Lilo is. It says linens, uniforms, food, drink, all that stuff. El-Ashkar, El-Ashkar is part of a group chat with other startup CEOs. And Thursday, it blew up. Her CEO friends were getting warnings from their investors to take their money out. She tried, but the site was down. So she sent a board member to move the money in person. The security were not letting anyone in. Then the police came and said, this is private property, and basically kicked everyone out. Her company, along with many others, cannot get to its money. I'm beating myself now, but how could I have known that such an established bank would crumble in literally 24 hours? That's the second point. Here is how Silicon Valley Bank met its downfall. First, its clients, all those startup and venture capitalists, weren't raising as much money this past year, and their bank accounts were getting smaller. So I <laughs> will comment on it at the end. But there's a double whammy, according to Eric Gordon, professor at the University of Michigan, Ross School of Business. At the same time that the companies were withdrawing money from Silicon Valley Bank, its other big asset, which was very safe government bonds, have gone down in value. So that's where the double whammy comes in. It says here that the bonds lost value because the Federal Reserve has been raising interest rates. As interest rates go up, the bond values go down. As more of SBB's clients took their money out, it had to sell bonds at a loss, and it wasn't enough to keep the bank afloat. I think that's the third and the most important reason. Numerous banks, though, own bonds that have lost value. At year-end last year, there were something like $620 billion in accumulated losses in the securities portfolios of the banking industry. And as said by Conrad Alt, the co-founder of Claros Group, it says Alt calculated that's equivalent to about 28% of the capital in the banking industry as a whole. And that's obviously not good news for any bank. But it's not necessarily a crisis, Alt explained. 
the crisis occurs if you have to sell and take losses. Because the way the bonds work is that they're like 10-year government bonds. And if you hold them to maturity, that's HTM, then you get them at the value that was promised, which would have been a profit. So the short-term loss is only egregious or it's only painful if you have to cash out in the short term before the bond matures when it would have been profitable in the next five, seven years that would make it the 10-year maturity. It says, since the financial crisis of 08, banks are much better capitalized and most don't have a niche under undiversified client bases like SVB did, which I think is one of the critical reasons why this happened. So the risk of contagion is low. But as said, there are probably some other banks out there that could run into trouble. So the link for this article is going to be in the description and in the show notes. And it's, by, it's from Marketplace. I think it's written by Sabri Ben Acher. So you guys can go ahead and check that out. What are your thoughts on this, Daniel? Well, based on observation and research done, there was panic, so there was a bank run. This is why mm-hmm. things collapsed so fast. Mm-hmm. I even think that the whole credit source thing was... Credit I'd say Yeah, our credit suisse. I think that was a pitfall for SVB. Mm-hmm. And based on what I have here, the problem with SVB was lack of diversification. So they deposited large amounts of cash from from investors because tech was in high demand during the pandemic. But Mm -hmm. I think they they were stuck on one thing, and that tend to come out of its season. Hence, Mm -hmm. people saw credit suits or suits bankrupt, and then, well, the market panics. And if you're not prepared for panic, then you will crumble. As a result, yeah. fair enough. The thing I found interesting though is um, the lack of diversity, like you said. So here's the thing: they said that most of the investors that use um, SVB, Silicon Valley Bank, what is Silicon Valley known for? Tech, right? Yeah, most yeah. of the investors that would have, or most of the clients that would have used that bank, would have been tech um, entrepreneurs and businesses. And I think that's where the double-edged sword comes in. Because if you look at what's been happening in terms of the tech industry since 2023 started, most tech stocks have been down. I mean, they're rallying again. They're starting to come around. But most tech companies have been losing value. And it's like you... It's like the market overall. When the market is good, you eat well. And if the market is bad and you aren't prepared for it, then you're going to suffer. And I think that's a little bit of what's happening here. But I do think the major thing that went, that really brought things up into flame is the fact that they had a bank run. So how a bank run works, you know, is that you know how the bank makes money. So let's say I'm the bank and you're, uh, you and person A are borrowers and lenders. So I would be the bank. I would have your money. Let's say you deposit $100 into the account. The way it works for me to make money is that I'm going to look at the economy, inflation and everything. I'm going to say the best interest rate that I can give you is, I'm just going to use this number for, to make the math easy. Let's say I'm giving you 10% interest per year. Not realistic at all, but let's say I'm giving you 10% interest per year. And how that works is that every year your investment or your saving is going to go up in value 10%. I'm paying you 
in order to have your money in my account. But when you when you give me that hundred dollars, I'm not going to sit down and keep all that hundred dollars because in my mind I know that one I have to use this money to make money, and also it's very unlikely that you and a hundred million other people like yourself, which is the key part here, are going to come and try to take all your hundred dollars at the same time. So I'm not going to keep a hundred dollars, right? So I won't keep a hundred dollars even though I have a hundred dollars for you. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to keep, let's say, $20. And this is something that is set by the Fed and the banks and so on, like the minimum more you can you can hold back. But I'm going to keep like $20, for example. And $80 that remains, I'm going to lend that to person A, B, C, D, and E. So I might lend out that $80, but I'm paying you 10% on your $100. So in order for me to make some money, I need to lend the money at a higher interest rate than I'm paying you, right? So I owe you $100. I am only I only have twenty dollars, but the eight dollars that I lend out, I might charge twenty five percent interest. I kid you not. I went to a bank. This was about in two thousand and seventeen. I went to a bank. I wanted a loan to start one of my businesses. Actually, two thousand sixteen. And when I went to the bank, we already started the business. We wanted to get a location set up. We wanted to borrow. Was it a hundred thousand dollars? We wanted to borrow. A hundred thousand Jamaican dollars is like six hundred and eighty dollars, guys. So it's not a lot of money, and they wanted us to pay them fifty percent interest in six months. So for six months, we're borrowing a hundred thousand dollars, and we have to pay back a hundred and fifty thousand dollars. But that's kind of an example. So that's extreme because <laughs> I never took the deal, but that's mm. kind of how it works. So I'm paying you ten percent to keep your money. Others are paying me twenty five percent for me to lend lend them your money that you lent me. And that difference, that 15%, that's how I'm going to make my money. But here's the problem now. The reason why this caused an issue is because I am lending out your money on the assumption that you're not going to want all of your money all at once. Not you and the other 100,000 depositors like yourself. So let's say not only you have deposited $100, but 100,000 other people have deposited $100. So have lent out all this huge sum of money, hoping that I'm going to make back the money. And this is where the bank bonds come in, because that's where they're going to use some of the money that has been deposited to buy bonds. Now, government-issued bonds are very safe. Safe in the fact that it's very unlikely that the country is going to fail. As long as the time, the maturity, or HTM, that let's say it's a 10-year bond, as long as we wait for 10 years, then it's very possible that you're going to make the money that you're supposed to make from the bond, which is always going to be a profit. The only problem is that if you try to mature the bond or um, exchange the bond before the 10 year, that's where you're going to make the loss. And that's what happened here. So the first thing that went wrong was that you as the depositor said, you know what, something is going on. I don't feel safe, fear, hysterics, panic. I'm going to withdraw my money and because you're withdrawing your money. Three other people who know that you deposit with SVB are like, hold on, he is going for his money. How many other people are going for their money? Fear, panic, ensues, hysterics, they go as well. And because of that, everybody who has money at SVB, because of fear, panic, and hysterics, decide that they're going to withdraw their money. Now, remember, I had the money, but in order to make a profit, I deposited some in bonds. I lent some to other people. I don't have all the money. So what do I have to do now? I have to mature the bonds. That's the only way I can get it because I can't go to the person who I lent the money to and say, all right, you know what? This guy wants his money. This is what I've been doing. You pay me quickly so I can pay him. No, 
So they try to mature the government bonds. The problem is that the inflation rate was high. Because inflation rate is high, the bonds are worth less than they normally are worth. And that's fine in the short term, because if you look at any stock um, stock price, it looks a little bit like this. It goes up and down, but it's tending upwards for the most part, right? So they are sh- in the short term, it might increase or decrease, but in the long term, the bond would have worked out profitably. It's just that in the short term, the inflation rate was high, which meant that the bond values were low compared to when they would have been matured. So for them to mature that early is what caused that issue. So no, that causes the double whammy because not only are people trying to get their money, but they're not able to get their money because inflation rate is high, the bond values are low. And when they mature the bonds, they're maturing them at a loss. They weren't able to get back all the money in the accounts. And that is what caused the issue here. Very interesting what happened. So I've read about bank runs in um, economics class. To see one happening in real life, it's quite interesting. I know it's not the first it's happened, but I'm not very old, quite young. So this was something interesting to witness. So true. And to add to those eloquent points here with facts, Silicon Valley Bank invested a large amount of bank deposits in long-term U.S. treasuries and agency mortgage-backed securities. Mm-hmm. However, bonds and treasury values fall when interest rates increase just as you alluded to earlier when the when the federal reserve hiked interest rates in 2022 to combat inflation svb's Mm -hmm. bond portfolio started to drop Mm -hmm. svb would have recovered its capital if they held those bonds until their maturity date so you hit the nail on the head Mm -hmm. actually even before Mm -hmm. So Silicon Bank used to lend out money in short durations. However, in 2021, they shifted to long-term securities, such as treasuries, for more yield. And they did not protect their liabilities with short-term investments for quick liquidations. They were insolvent for months because they could not liquidate their assets without a large loss. Mm-hmm. And that's so, the issue. Yeah, yeah. The thing that I find, it's not something that particularly interesting, but something to work, it's worth looking at. They always say that the riches are in the niches. You ever heard that, Daniel? First, I mean, about that term, right? Phrase. So, so, let, me, so let me explain what riches in the niches means. So let's say you want to start a business, right? And the business you're trying to start is supposed to serve everybody. So you want to sell everybody something. It's very unlikely that you're going to sell anything. And that's because what you're selling isn't unique enough or targeted enough to sell to a specific person because you're trying to sell to everybody. So even if you have like a marketing message, it's like you're going to be trying to talk to divorced women and married husbands at the same time. It's really not going to work. The more specific your marketing message, the better. So what Mm. they're saying is that the riches are in the niches, mean that if you niche down, niche down niche down to a very small subgroup or subset of the market then you have a higher chance of being successful for a few reasons the first is that your messaging becomes very clear and very direct so if if you're scrolling through social media and some and you see a message that says hey you 21 year old college student how are you going to get out of college debt we have a solution for you that's very specific because you're 21 you're in college you're in college debt and you want to get out of college debt and this is something that can help you, right? 
So what they're saying is that if you niche down, then you make money. But there's a problem with that. What Silicon Valley Bank did is that they it's almost like they niched down. It's not necessarily a niche, but they were very targeted. They were very specific about the type of people who use their bank. And that's where the problem came in because they don't have diversification. So in that niche, so let's say that niche of college students trying to have um, their student loans resolved. What you're going to find happen is that for that business, if the government, so the, this business has been going on for three, five years, they're making good money, they've been growing, and they have a few thousand students using their services and getting some results. And let's say in year six, the government then decides that, you know what? We are going to do student loan forgiveness. Everybody is going to have their students loan forgiven. What mm-hmm. you're going to find happen is that in one night, that business dies. And why did it die? Its customer base was dried up in one night by something outside of its um, sphere of influence. And that's kind of what happened here, which is why this is leading somewhere, which is why we don't think, you know, it's a few months after, but we don't think there's going to be a total systematic collapse of the U.S. banking industry for that very specific reason. Because something that we haven't looked at is um, SBF, Sam Sam Bankman-Fried, and how his shenanigans impacted this. Because this is one of the reasons why tech stocks were also not doing so well, because crypto was a little bit faulting. So even a bank, um, let me look it up right now. Crypto only bank fails before SVB. So a whole bank failed because of that. Is it Silver Bank? Um, Signature Bank. So it says here that um, I'm going to just share this with you guys. Um, let me just share this with you guys. So it says here, right here, that's um, Signature Bank, a New York financial institution with big real estate lending business that had recently made a play to win cryptocurrency deposits, closed its door abruptly on Sunday. After regulators said that keeping a bank open could threaten the stability of the entire financial system. So what happened with SBF you know? also with Sam Bankman Fried and his um, multi-billion dollar catastrophe, I think that also played a role. So because of that, SVB, that's Silicon Valley Bank at this stage, what happened was that they didn't have enough diversification which is where JP Morgan Chase comes in. So they have a lot more diversification in terms of the amount of lenders that they have across different industries. So that's where I think it's going to be contained. What are your thoughts on that? I agree, bro. Um, And here is the breakdown of how SVB makes their money. So interest Mm -hmm. income, approximately 40 to 50% of revenue. Fee-based services, so treasury and cash management, 20 to 30%. Capital markets and investment services, 15 to 25%. Debt and equity offerings, 5 to 10%. Foreign exchange services, 5 to 10%. Deposit services, 5 to 10%. Venture capital services, around 5 to 10% and other services approximately five percent of their revenue 
Interesting. So you can see that um, interest from the positive is what drives the bank. Yeah. So it would make sense that if people say, oh, we're not going to deposit, we're going to take our money out. That would be a bit of a scare. Exactly. In terms of, so we're in Jamaica. We're in Jamaica. And um, in Jamaica, we have two major commercial banks. We have um, Scotia Bank and we have National Commercial Bank. There have been a few recently um, starting up like Sajikor, JN, um, RBC, and so on. But what I want to ask you, Daniel, is this something that you think could happen in our country? Because a few years ago, actually, there was a bank called, was it a bank or was it a financial institution, Cash Plus? And financial institution was a financial institution, yeah. And things didn't go so well with that. That one failed, the owner is put in jail, and um, <laughs> it was really nasty. And we have a few months ago in our country, so everyone knows you saying, Well, there's this um, financial institution called SSL. What's that mean? Securities Services Limited, Stocks and Securities Limited. Stocks and Securities Limited. I know nothing about Jamaica 10, guys. Anyway, so that bank lost like 12 million US dollars, not 12 million Jamaican dollars, guys, like 12 million US dollars of bolts money. And we don't even think it was lost. I think it was more swindled. Yes, yes that's that's more like it, actually. <laughs> yes, so even now we have a situation where in Jamaica, things aren't always as clear as you might think it is. And every now and then there's a bit of a scam here, a bit of a scam there. I even had a friend who had some money in the bank and they took like half a million dollars of his money. What? And when he went to the bank, yes. And when he went to the bank, he was like, yo, what's up? They said, oh, <laughs> but you withdrew it. He was withdrawn with a card. And he's like, I don't have a card for this account. Mm. And for like nine months, he was up and down with them trying to figure out what happened to his money. Now, it's not by any means his fault or anyone's fault because the banking industry in Jamaica, I wouldn't say it's crystal clear or is it fair. So do you think this is something, a bank run, bank failure, could happen in Jamaica? And what are your reasons for that? Yes, I think it can happen due to, I'd say, not having the proper type of regulation set in place. I mean, mm-hmm. there, can be, there can be circumstances where things are done and, you know, there is no wind of it. But mm-hmm. I think the closest, not thing, the closest one to having a bank run is SSL due to, mm-hmm. you know, all of that money just vanishing into thin air. And there is no accountability for that. We haven't heard anything positive i mean one of their top clients even gave them a, a mandate it's, it's like 10 days and it's been a couple months and there's there's nothing being accounted for so regulations is crucial diversification mm-hmm. also is crucial mm-hmm. um we have to be careful of niching i don't really see banks here niching now yeah, because we don't have that many banks anyway. Yeah, that's the thing. So, I mean, the truth is we mostly have international banks here in Jamaica. There's only one local bank here and that, well, two. 
about around two, Sajikor and NCB. Everybody else came here and do what they're doing. But mm-hmm. these are some some points in which we have to be crucial about and we have to be careful. Also, I think, you know, bank runs even come down to the people running the bank. So <laughs> we have to be careful where we put our money as well. You, know? you never know mm-hmm. someone's true intention. True. Something interesting that came to me while they were speaking. You mentioned um, regulations not being in place in Jamaica to prevent these things. Mm-hmm. But you know what I'm thinking? I think that what happened is that in Jamaica, in terms of our culture, and when I say culture, I don't mean like food and music. I mean just how we approach things. It's a lot like America, but I don't think we put it right, so we try to do things like America, most countries. I don't think we put enough effort into security. True. You know, so I mean, there there are ATMs here in Jamaica, and the ATMs aren't safe. You can put your card into an ATM, and someone tamper with it before you went in, mm-hmm. and copy your card using money. So, like I've mentioned with my friend, um, the bank said that he used a card to withdraw the money. For one, ATMs don't give you half a million dollars. <laughs> exactly. That's the first part. And he didn't have a card on his account. And a lot of times when the news comes out, there's someone inside the bank that's moving the money, probably bit by bit and so on. So what I'm thinking here is that it might be an opportunity. So, you know, we're entrepreneurs. We think about things from the business side. Um, Wherever someone sees a problem, we see an opportunity. I'm thinking that this is an opportunity for one bank or for, I wouldn't say a person, to start a bank and do this, but for one bank to really do what's necessary to give clients and depositors peace of mind when it comes to their money. And I don't mean from um, clear, finan- um, transparent financial statements and everything, because that's the average man isn't going to read that. But if they can create like ATMs and so on that are really secure, ABMs that actually work when you go to them and a service, an online banking system that is very easy to use and very efficient. I think that's helpful. I want to ask you a question. You mentioned um, diversity. In terms of diversity, do you mean diversity for the bank in terms of who deposits with them? Or do you mean diversity for the depositors in terms of where they put their money? I think it's for the depositors because generally Mm -hmm. the pool of our money is just going into bank loans and then that is flung with interest rate. Mm -hmm. True, true. But what I think could be crucial is is adding more, I'd say, economically viable companies to the industry and then now we can see where, you know, you diversify your money through stock or bond or whatever mm-hmm. methodology you can do but that would mm-hmm. be a, that would be an industry shaking type of event so <laughs> uh, let us see if the banks will squeeze towards that highly doubt it still but this is just one of the few things they could do that was something that's been on my mind as well 
I'm thinking you have a multi-million dollar company. So your company, America, for example, is doing three, five million dollars a year. And from that three, let's say five million, from that five million, you're bringing home one and a half million dollars in profit. Are you going to put all of that in a savings account? At what point do you start buying gold, silver, um, CDs, bonds, stocks, real estate, whatever the case might be, um, opening an investment portfolio? At what point do you start to look for the long-term wins versus just sitting on the cash that you have? You know, that's something that came to mind. And one of the things, one of the reasons why that came to mind is because they said the average account at SVB was $1.225 million. That's the average account size. And mm-hmm. the FDIC only insures account up to $250,000, right? Now that all that money is gone, a lot of companies would be struggling to pay um, employees, keep the lights on because they know what tech companies are. At what point do they diversify with their investment in terms of, all right, we brought in one and a half million dollars in profit this year. Our expenses for six months is seven hundred thousand. The next eight hundred thousand dollars that remains, we're going to put two hundred thousand in the bank. We're going to put six hundred thousand in real estate, or we're going to put six hundred thousand in um, long-term government CDs, or whatever the case might be. You know, that's something that I think entrepreneurs should start looking into. Not just being the entrepreneur that runs the business but being the person who is going to make the business uh, financial. It's not necessarily a financial institution, but a financial stronghold. That's something I think that they should do. Long-term versus short-term. Investments versus savings. You know, um, assets versus liabilities. Instead of buying more company cars, maybe you buy something that's going to appreciate in value for the company and be a store of value for your business. Stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, these little things, there can be an economic collapse one day. And what will you show for it? You know, so having these as, like I'd say, backup, Mm -hmm. you'd be surprised to know how helpful that is if you just put aside some money year by year for the next 10, 20 years. This is why many companies in Asia are over 100 years old because they tend to think long term and strategize yes. and plan towards that so you know this is why they are at the pinnacle of success <laughs> i think we should have an episode where we look at um the idea of delayed gratification mm. and how that affects our judgment and our decision and everything like that i think um, trying to be rich before you are rich is a problem and not putting off today so you can have more tomorrow is also a problem. But that's something we can look into. Uh, before we finish this episode, do you have any closing thoughts for us, Daniel? I, I just think that, you know, we understand the circumstances of, you know, the bank run and the bank scare and all of that. And we're trying mm-hmm. to warn people and also mm-hmm. be vigilant ourselves to not be caught up with certain industries or banks be very careful of where you put your money know that you shouldn't niche down unless it is absolutely necessary to do that 
So yeah, yeah, that's that's a tricky one. Yeah, yeah. It it, it just really depends on um outcome that you want as you know the, the investor. Yeah, that's that's what I have to say. I agree with you for the most part, and like like um Miss Ashkal, I believe her name was said. She couldn't have known because SVB is one of the biggest banks. They've been in operation for over a hundred years, I believe. Right, so mm. it's not like they were ju- they just came and they never knew what they were doing. But if you dig a little bit deeper, you can find that there was some shady business happening, a lack of regulation and controls and everything. So I'd like to thank you for listening to episode three of the Billionaire's Journey on Zelhan's podcast, brought to you by Zelhan System Limited and our online business suite. We will believe in using the power of the internet, software, and technology to make it easier to start, run, and build a successful business. Go to onlinebusiness.zelhan.com to get started. Remember to share episodes with your friends and family who you think would find this episode and others helpful. Hit the subscribe button on YouTube or where you listen to your podcast to get notified when we bring more amazing content tailored for your online business success. Visit podcast.zelhan.com for a complete list of our podcast episodes. You can also visit watch.zelhan.com or our YouTube channel to watch our most recent content. Most importantly, earn up to $500 in commission for each client you refer to us by signing up to become an affiliate at affiliates.zelhan.com. You can find all the resources mentioned in this episode in the show notes or episode description if you're listening on YouTube. On the next episode of The Billionaire's Journey, we're going local, that is Jamaica. We will discuss Jamaica's MP, Member of Parliament, wage increase despite the public sector workers' low salary. This has been episode three of The Billionaire's Journey, brought to you by Zelan Podcast. I've been your host, Jabez Roberts. And I've been your co-host, Daniel Simmons. Take care until next time.